We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, it is Friday. You know what that means. It is the Friday free-for-all mailbag. It is April 1st, and look, you will get no April Fool's jokes in this show. I freaking hate April Fool's, uh, so we're not going to be doing that today, uh, but we are going to be talking Notre Dame football, and as always, I'm joined by my man, Vince D'Addario. Uh, first hour, we're going to talk Notre Dame football and college football, so any questions you have, about Notre Dame football, about college football, whatever the case may be, not recruiting questions. We'll get to those in hour two when Ryan Roberts joins the show. So get your questions in now. We have a lot of recruiting questions, but not a lot of team questions. So get those questions in now. Yeah. And uh, and and we're going to get going. Before we start, though, look, I know you're going to love this show. So go ahead and hit the like button now. You don't need to wait, right? We're going to promise you a great show. Hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit the notification bell and share this podcast and all of our other podcasts. Sign up for the message boards. Try out Bill Bar. Do all that fun stuff. Uh, but more importantly, just big picture, be a part of our Irish Breakdown family because it is growing tremendously. We had a great month of March. Very excited about that. And we're just, we're just getting started, buddy. So let's get started. And of course, Vince, we did even before the show even started, man, Just uh, our guy K Grant hooked us up with a big time super chat. Thank you for that, Mr. Grant. Appreciate you very, very much. And Vince, um, you know, uh, we gotta get started with Tommy guns. He's got a question that has nothing to do with, with, uh, with this, but you know, that's, that's what Friday's we, all about. We roll, man, we're not going to answer his baseball questions. Cause we don't have answers to those. Um, yeah, so, but I mean, uh, I've given my opinion about the new rules and stuff yeah. like that. And that's, go ahead and you know. go ahead and bring up the uh, the, All right. the other question that Tommy has. I, I am in, inter- I think I know where you're gonna go with this one, but Tommy says, What's your guys' guilty pleasure when it comes to music? Which of y'all rock out to T Swizzy when no one else is around? Who's T Swizzy? Is that a rapper or something like that? I, I don't ask me. I I am. Well, I am. I guess of, that kind of answers whether or not we're rocking out T Swizzy. Yeah, it's no going to be a no because I don't freaking know who the heck T Swizzy is. Yeah, so, I, I was hoping you would know since you you no. are much more into 
that I don't listen well, to a lot of modern. That I don't listen to a lot of modern music though. That's fair. oh, apparently it's Taylor Swift. A whole mod. Okay. Well, right. okay. Vince rocks the T Swizzy. Didn't see that coming. Um, I don't rock to it. Yeah, but my children. She rock has a couple catchy songs, I guess. Yeah, she kind of annoys me, but my daughters know. enjoy some T Swizzy. Gotcha. Um, and since we're about to embark on like a five-hour drive, oh boy, I, I have a feeling that I'm going to be rocking out <sighs> to some T Swizzy. So okay. um, I'll there, be praying for that. you. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Um, but yeah, other than that, I. I am not a music aficionado, and in fact, I get made fun of quite frequently by some other people in my life um, when I don't know who an artist is. Or... I know that's not me. I don't make fun of you for that. No. I make fun of my wife for that all the time. <laughs> no. I finally got her to learn. She now can recognize Michael Jackson songs. That's about okay. as far as it goes. I am not that bad. Yeah. I, I can def- I, I'm a big MJ fan, yeah. so I do know. She still says it like, Michael Jackson? Like. <laughs> It's the only one I'll ask anymore. Like, you know, because I'd always be like, hey, do you know who this is? And it'll be like, and I'm like, oh, this is so and so. And she's like, yeah, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Oldies is actually my wheelhouse. Yeah. I'm actually pretty good at that. A little classic yeah. rock. I'm, I'm, that's where See, I'm eight, at, if but... you talk about my guilty pleasure for music, it's probably 80s rock. That's fair. Like, I like can't the dig that. I can't dig that. No, no, like rock. I didn't say, oh, like, okay. you know, I didn't say that. Like, you know, like, I had, there was an Eddie Money song playing today when I was in the shower. You know okay, what I mean? Like, okay. You know, I'll, I'll rock some Bon Jovi and Def Leppard, yeah, you know, because I, I mean, I had older cousins and family members who listen to that. And I was like, some of, like, I'm not really like a rock guy. Right. But some of the 80s hair bands I, I can dig. Right. OK. OK. Um, I don't dig the hair part and their their outfits were a little wild. And uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of wearing makeup or dudes that wear makeup. But, you know, whatever works. That's what's so funny about seeing John, uh, bon jo- John Bon Jovi now, like trying to be all like a proper and professional. I'm like, dude. You used to have bigger hair than any woman I've ever met. So I don't want to hear you see you trying to act cool. But no, I, I can dig some. That's probably my guilty pleasure. That's fair. Because I don't like, I love oldies. Like, you know, like the thing people ask me, like, how did you, you grew up in Ohio, right? Like Northwest Ohio. Like, how did you, how did you become like a hip hop and a rap fan? And I'm like, because I grew up listening to Motown. Like, my dad and yeah. mom, like, yeah, I love you know, my Motown. dad had like, you know, I'd like bought me, like, you remember back in the day, Vince, like in the 80s when you get that like giant radio player? And it had like the two tapes. Oh yeah. And then it had like the record player on top and then the dial for the radio stations. You know, that was like the cool thing back then. Cause you would have to you so young people, so you should only get me started how tough life is. We used to have to <laughs> record, like you have to wait by the radio for your favorite song yeah. to come on, then quickly hit record on your on your you know your your cassette tape to get your favorite songs yep. or you yep. just have to record all day and hope that your favorite I, song was on there. So I, I actually had a buddy whose radio was broken. And so okay. what he did is he recorded like three or four hours of the radio right. and would just play that on a tape yeah. in his car. Yeah. You know, so he'd yeah. hear the same news mm-hmm. and like the yeah. same. Well, Sean and I were joking one time. Uh, we were talking about, um, we were debating like what was the better Nas album, Illmatic or It Was Written, right? I personally like It Was Written better. Sean likes Illmatic better. So we were discussing it. But the one thing we were joking about is how, you know, back then you would kind of go on a drive to listen to music. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, and, and just kind of how, how funny that is. But, um, but that's kind of how I, how I, you start with Motown and, you know, my, the Temptations and the Four Tops and Otis Redding. My mom was like a big Al Green fan. And of course, as you'll get older, it just kind of naturally transitions into hip hop and, you know, those type of things. But, you know, listen to those on the old 45, you know, yeah. so, um, you know, my mom was more, my mom was into more of that. My dad liked Motown, but my dad also liked the Beatles and, Oh you know, yeah, stuff I love like that too, right? Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. So I mean, I grew up listening to all that kind of stuff. But 
um, I don't consider that a guilty pleasure. That's just good music. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, absolutely. Yeah, I, I do like a little Chicago. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. My, my my kids are trumpet. Oh, I know, I know, I know a, a guilty pleasure. If you're going to look, if compared to Taylor Swift, I'm not going to lie. I think she's a little nuts. But Katy Perry's got some songs I can rock with. Okay. And and I I, I can't lie. I I, I list. I like some a couple of Bruno Mars songs. It's about the. It's like I I can't lie. And it, I mean, I don't consider Adele a guilty pleasure. I mean, that's just good music. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. I, so maybe a, we can get to some football now. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm a dork. I listen to a lot of sports talk radio. To yeah. be honest with you, so yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yep. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we do uh, have we a do, couple of super chats. Yeah, I got one down okay. here. We'll awesome. go ahead and get started with this one. Yeah. Breakthrough sports performance. Thank you very, 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 very much. If the 2015 team and the 2017 team had the current coaching staff, do you see those seasons ending differently? Oh, gosh, yes. I was going to say there. I was waiting for the more, more so 2015 than 2017. Yes. yes. Like, I think 2017. I think that team could have competed for a title if with better coaching but mainly because it was a down year in college football. It was a lot like this past season. Like that 2017 Bama team that won it all was not a great Bama team. You know, like Georgia should have beat them. Uh, Georgia had a better talent. That was, that to me was Nick Saban's best coaching job. Like he did a phenomenal, him and that staff did a phenomenal job in 2017. Cause that was, I mean, that's not even top five most talented Bama teams of the last eight years, in my opinion. And so I, I I thought that was a great job. I mean, we saw the national runners up Notre Dame in just game two of the Elko Chip Long Matt Bayless era took them down the wire with Freddie Canteen and Cam Smith and Chris Fink playing wide receiver. You know, so I thought that team had a chance to to win it, but it, it win it because it wasn't necessarily a great year. The 2015 team to me was without question the most talented Notre Dame team, even with all the injuries that that team so incredibly underachieved to its talent level, not even just 
the record, but even some of the, the way it won some games, you know, like struggling to beat a bad BC team and, and not looking great against a bad Wake Forest team and needing a, a late comeback to beat Temple. You know, like that team's so incredibly underachieved because it just wasn't coached worth a darn. You know, and Vince, you and I, we had a lot of conversations and arguments with people after that season, and I was like, something bad's going to be coming because people yep. don't understand yep. how much that team was a mess. I remember it you just, telling me that, yeah. Yeah, pre-2016. Yeah. I remember, and I was on Bill King's show, and I said, this team's either going to be really good or they're going to implode because there was talent there. It just – it was a mess. There was so much going on behind the scenes that people don't even realize about that 25th – they just – that's the talent was so good. Yeah. They just talented their way into a 10 and three season. Right. And almost beat a top five Stanford team, almost beat a top five Clemson team. If that team had the current coaching staff at their, at their current levels of development. Right. So I'm not going to sit there and be like, if Marcus Freeman was the head coach at 29, you know what right. I mean? But like right. Right. where they are now. Yeah, exactly. This, Cause no he said question. this staff, I mean, right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Because the old line was great because they had, you know, Harry Heastan. But if you could if you could take and I've said that about past staffs too. I if you could if you could put the 2017 staff on the 2015 team, I think they win a championship. Sure. Right? Even with Brian Kelly as the head coach. But yes, I do I do believe that to be the case. That was an incredibly talented football team. And you know, all the things that people point to as far as you know, what are the metrics for level, you know, de- evaluating your talent? I look at that Clemson team, Notre Dame. If you look at the five classes that made up that ro- those rosters, Notre Dame had a higher ranked recruiting class than Clemson in four of the five years of the teams that built that, that roster. The only, the only exception was the current freshman class. Clemson's current freshman class that year was ranked higher than Notre Dame's. That's it. And Notre Dame's roster from that team, and when I mean roster, I'm talking about people that played in that game, like that were regulars on those teams. Notre Dame had more players taken in rounds one through three than Clemson did. And so, you know, it just, it was such a wasted opportunity. 2015, 2017, 2018 to a degree. I'm not too hard on the 2018 team because that was a great, there were some great teams in college football that year. I mean, that was a really good Oklahoma team. I mean, that was a really good Oklahoma team. Not as good as the 2017 team, but really good with Kyler Murray quarterback. But it was a great Bama team, and it was a great Clemson team. So that was actually a really good year in college football, in my opinion. And and Notre Dame. And that know, matters. I mean, right. that's why we talked about this in, past in, year being such an opportunity for Notre in, Dame. In, in book is who he was. I mean, who right. were they going to win with? They they weren't going to put a, a true freshman Phil Dracovic in the game nope. and, and win with him. I mean, it just it, that just was the makeup of your team. So, uh, I, yeah, I think 2018 was probably the best Notre Dame team as far as getting the, you know, as much out of your talent as you possibly could. There was still more talent to get out of it. Right, which we've talked about, but it they did a that t- that staff did a pretty good job. Look, I'm sorry, they sure. did. Um, you know, but the, the 2017 team for a while was doing that, and I'll still contend the last 20 years, the best stretch of football I've seen from any Notre Dame team for just a period of time was the second half of the BC game through Wake Forest in 2017. It was the best Notre Dame team I've seen, and that you know, I mean that I mean they this is what I think some of us forget. They weren't just beating good teams. They were destroying good teams. I mean, they beat a, a, a top 15, 10-win Michigan State team on the road, 38-18, to 18, and it wasn't that close of a game. They beat a top 15, 11-win USC team, 49-14, to 14, and they called off the dogs 
early in the fourth quarter of that game. You know, they they beat a really good nine-win NC State team 35-14. to 14. I mean, that was a phenomenal stretch of football. Just they couldn't finish. And, you know, it just – there's a lot of reasons for that. But, yeah, I believe – that's a great – that's a great way to kick off the football questions break through <laughs> sports because – that's the thing is like I felt Notre Dame has had teams that could compete for championships. They just didn't have the coaching in place to get the most out of those teams. Right. And I mean, and I, you could even say if you could have just traded Marcus Freeman for Van Gorder and Matt Bayless for Phil Longo, I still think you probably had a chance to win a championship with that team. But if you could take the whole staff, definitely. Yeah. That's a different conversation too. Definitely feel that way. Really, really, really good question. Matt D with a super chat. And just a comment, Matt, I appreciate you on this one, buddy. Uh, he says, IB, Irish Breakdown, the best uh, covering Notre Dame football. Join the message board for great content and intel. There has appreciate been a ton of intel on there over the last few days. Mm-hmm. Obviously covering Dante Moore's visit, Carnell Tate's visit, um, Ke- Keon Keeley's visit, right? Um, so there's been mm-hmm. all kinds of good stuff on there, plus more. I, it's mm-hmm. I work for the company and I'm like riveted to the message board, mm-hmm. like reading all the updates. So, mm-hmm. uh, because it's not, that's not part of what you do. Right. Exactly. So like we don't cue you into all the recruiting right. stuff going on. So right. Which we would, if you asked, but no, no, no. Know. it was funny because yeah. and I'm not going to obviously say names. But like we went down and sat at dinner and we're talking and we're having a great time the other night. And, and you're like, Oh yeah, this, this, and this. I'm like, wait, hump what? Like, yeah. And you're like, well, we haven't really talked outside yeah. of the show. Well, and like, that's how the guys felt when I was sharing <laughs> stories about BK and all that right. stuff that you've heard. Right. But they're like, what? Seriously? Yeah. It was so funny. That was it, a ton of fun. That was such a great night. Such yeah. a great night. But anyway, the nice. board is where it's at, guys. I'm telling you. Yeah, we have some some really interesting updates on there oh, today. Yeah. So let's Absolutely. get back to the let's get back to this show, though. Yes. John A1 has a great question, I think. It says, uh, which player who has all the tools on defense, are you hoping the light comes on the most in 22? And he's got mm. options for us, right? Yeah. Jordan Botello, Bo Bauer, Jason Onye, uh, Alexander Ahrensberger, and Ryan Barnes. And I'll let you start with that one, Vince. Okay, well, if you would ask me this. It's an easy answer for me. If you'd asked me this a year ago, I would have said Bo Bauer, but I think that ship has sailed. I, I'm going to say it. I, I love the man. I wanted him wow. to be so successful. But wow. I don't, but for this question, I don't think I can go there. So Vince is jumping off of the Bo Bauer hype train. Oh uh, my gosh. Yeah, sorry. Um, but for me, it comes down to two guys. He's not really jump just he's not jumping off the hype train. It's just more about that's a position that's gonna be good whether Bo steps up or exactly. not. And and right? it's right. and you're saying the light comes on the most, right? right. It's and I having think that's the impact, right? It's a different right. kind of a question. If the light doesn't come on for Bo Bauer, they're still fine at Mike because you got JD Bertrand. That, Absolutely. That's, that's and point. and Bo Bauer is gonna be who he is, and you're gonna right. be able to use him the way he's right. always I'm been just used. joking about him yeah. jumping off the hype. <laughs> no, but so for me, it comes down to the last two guys on that list, Aaronsberger and Barnes. I think mm-hmm. I, Sitting next to Ryan at practice, he was like drooling over what Aaronsberger looked like at yeah. practice, right? Oh, him and Jason Onye look like a million bucks now. Like, yes, no question. They're, they're they're get off the bus first, guys. There's no, no yes, absolutely. But I'm I'm gonna go with Ryan Barnes mm-hmm. because I thought he should have gotten more of an opportunity last year. Now, granted, mm-hmm. we weren't at practice, and so I don't know everything that was going down, right? But I think he should have gotten a shot last year. I think he's going to get a shot this year. I've liked the way he's looked in the amount of time that we've been able to see him. He checks all the boxes physically. 
I would love to see him pop because that just makes the secondary on the mm-hmm. on the edges so so much better. So I'm going with Ryan Barnes here. Right, that's me too. I, I'm there with you on that. I, and and it's not that I don't think that Batelho has an impact or that Bauer couldn't have an impact or Onye or Aaronsberger. I mean, I would love for to see all those guys absolutely pan out. But for me, cornerback is where the greatest need is. Yeah. And yep. and not just and it's not even just about like beating out Clarence Lewis. Even if Clarence Lewis steps up and has a great year, you're going to need that depth to be established there. And if Aaronsberg and Onye don't step up, Notre Dame's going to have plenty of options at defensive line. Uh, even though today a friend of mine played a really cruel j- April Fool's joke on me about a couple of defensive linemen, and so I'm going to get him back for that. So, so they were like, like injured, probably. Yeah, yeah. No, no, oh. it was it was no, it, yeah, it was. There was a big fight, and oh, they yeah. had this you know, just like yeah, he got me, like he got me, like he's on my like Billy Madison hit list. He's <laughs> he's my friend, and I love the guy, but he's been added to the list. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's just the impact it can have on the roster. If those other D linemen or Bo Bauer don't step up this year, I, like you said, I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. They're going to be just fine. Now, would they help and would they make things better? Sure. Of course. Ryan Barnes is the guy to me that, that could, the, the position that he plays could have the greatest impact. That's a good point. And, you know, if you, if you're in a situation where Cam Hart might be your shortest corner, that's a, you know, that's an interesting, intriguing scenario to be in. So, I would definitely go with with Ryan Barnes on that one. And there's I, some interesting – go ahead, Vince. No, I was to say, I'm really excited to see what Ryan Barnes yeah. can be because I, I just well, – even watching him last year in practice, I was like, ooh, he's a good-looking dude. Like, I want to see him at corner, et cetera, et cetera. And I felt like I was left wanting. You know what I mean? Right. It's like I really wanted to see that kid. And we got a lot of opportunity to see him up to this point, so I, I'm excited about him. We have some really interesting comments about uh, the the music – Oh yeah. So so some really some really hilarious stuff. Um <laughs> Brandon says uh Vince loves some Bob Marley. Hey, you know what's worry. funny? I never heard of Bob Marley till I moved to Bob Virginia as like a freshman in high school. I ne- never really never heard of Bob Marley. No. There wasn't a lot of people in Northwest Ohio rocking Bob Marley. When I moved to Virginia, and there was like all the pot smoking hippies and stuff and that's Virginia when Beach, you got it. Yeah. That's when I heard of, yeah. I never heard of reggae. <laughs> the only reggae I'd ever heard of was like Snow. Remember that like that one song Informer? Remember that? Informer. And then you couldn't understand whatever the freaking hell else that moron was saying, but you could get Informer and Diggy boom boom down. And you're like, "What?" What oh, is this guy boy. saying? I can't wait for the um, comments now that I'm Mad D, I do like some 80s rock and classic rock, Cinderella. Uh, Cinderella. See, uh, classic and alternative rock are my main go-tos. Blaine Tiller, anything 90s music was at its uh, best there. Tommy I, did say his musical Guilty Pressure is Disney movies from the 90s. Yeah. Which I can get on board with. Frozen has a couple songs, because I've had to watch that movie 20 times with my nieces and nephews. And multiply that by about 150, yeah. and that's where I'm at. Right. Yeah. Toe, toe Jam says Brian is a flock of seagulls guy. Wow. I, I don't know if that's like a joke about the like where like I went to college. Or, or, I no, I, I don't know who the heck the flock <laughs> of seagulls are, but I didn't know if that because my that was the nickname of the school I went to. Oh, really? Seagulls, yeah. Huh. It was the lamest mascot ever is like this roided up seagull with a turtleneck Salisbury sweater with a Salisbury S on it. It's the <laughs> lamest thing ever. 
but uh like yeah who's afraid i mean unless you got some fries or you're having like a picnic <sighs> at the beach i don't think anyone's really I mean, afraid of a seagull st peter's are the peacocks i mean yeah i guess but at least I, peacocks can like look intimidating i mean you have a phrase called peacocking you know i mean it, you I know guess. whatever yeah yeah these are strutting around but uh <clears throat> you know there's there's some other ones down here uh it uh, ty b says it was written is way better i i i tend to agree with that uh, Kevon says Illmatic is a perfect album, but it was written probably. Uh, it was written probably has some of Nas' best verses. I think you, I could I could accept that, even though I personally like it was written better. Uh, I, I I I would not argue with that because Sean Sean kind of makes a similar argument to what Kevon is making in, in regards to that because like he likes both albums. We both like both albums. It's like which greatness do you think is the greatest of the greatness? Is basically what that has kind of come down to. Uh, Florida Iris says Al Green is the goat, and here's my favorite. I just had to, I just had to get this one. Uh, well, first of all, John Mayo, Destiny Child has always been my guilty pleasure. <laughs> I like that one. And then Brandon says Vince loves Duran Duran. Wow, <laughs> that's some uh, early '90s excitement there. That was middle school for me. Oh my goodness! So there's some really good stuff there, guys. Really, really good stuff. I I enjoyed that very, very much. So anyway, Vince, let's get back to some football stuff. Because well, John A. One has a follow up to the defensive question. Okay. On the other side of the ball. Okay. So same for the light on offense, and he gives us Lindsey, Tyree, Lug, Colsey, Estime. That's easy one for me too, Vince. I'm I'm, I'm curious. It's Lindsey for me. Okay. See, this one we disagree on. So go ahead. Well, Lindsey. And it, I, it's not that we disagree. It's just, right? No, no, it's I, good. I put we another should. guy higher. I no, mean, I we should. Both are important. For me, Lindsey is super important because I think if he reaches his potential and the quote-unquote light goes on, and I don't even know if I put that all on him. I think that's more – he has it's, an opportunity for the light right. to go on. It's, I, I'll, it's, I'll say it's that. It's on him. I mean, I think there's been times sure. in this where he's needed to – That's fair. Take football I, I agree more, with that. That's you know, fair. that kind of thing. But if, if that happens, then that – makes this offense so much more explosive because if you have to respect what Lindsay does deep and if he becomes a more crisp route runner and he do, he's doing things in the backfield and he, he becomes that guy, if he could be that guy, it makes your offense so much more explosive. Mm-hmm. It really does. And it allows your other playmakers to be playmakers. I, again, not that I wouldn't love all of those guys sure. to, to do that. Um, and second place for me would be Deion Colsey. Okay. I don't disagree with anything you just said in regards to the impact that Brayden Lindsay could have. Don't disagree with anything you said. The reason I'm going with Chris Tyree, and it's not even debatable for me, okay. in regards to who my other choice would be. It's debatable in regards to you having another choice. Sure. Uh, but as far sure. as for me, there's no discussion on who my, who it would be. It's this. It's if Lindsay gets hurt or doesn't step up, there are other guys at receiver that can do what he can do to a degree. You know, you look at, Lorenzo Styles, Avery Davis, Tobias Merriweather could bring an impact there. Um, Deion Colsey, same similar time. I mean, you know, like he's not the kind of guy where it's like if he doesn't step up, they have nothing. They're screwed, right? It'd be nice and it would help big time if they do. Yeah. With Chris Tyree, there's no, I mean, unless you're going to go down to the true freshman Jadarian Price, none of the returning backs brings to the table what he brings to the table. And even then, as much as explosive as I think Jadarian Price is, he's not Chris Tyree explosive. So if, if, you know, I look at it kind of the opposite is if, if Chris Tyree is, is out there balling and he's running with authority and making reads and showing patience and just, you know, just a threat to hammer you as a runner. And then of course, in the past game, then how do you then handle all the other speed, Avery Davis, Lorenzo Styles, Brady sure. Lindsay, 
you know, Joe Wilkins, Deion Colsey, Michael Mayer. So to me, Braden Lindsay, if Notre Dame can establish a legitimate like home run ground attack, right? Where, you know, Chris is efficient and explosive, right? Because to me, that's what the light going yeah. on for Chris Tyree is he's healthy, he's efficient. Because if he's those two things, the explosiveness will come. That sure. that'll be there. It's it's more of the health and the efficiency. Absolutely, you know, where I agree with you that. Part. Get three when you need three, kind of thing. Uh, but if that if that's part of it, and and he can be a, an every down back, you know, Chris Tyree getting twelve to fifteen touches a game at his best. I don't know how you defend this offense yeah. with Tyler Buckner running, with Diggs and Estimate coming off the bench. And then and now it's like, well, how do you defend the pass game when you have to spend so much time on that? That's kind of where I'm coming from, Vince. Okay. On that. Although I don't I don't think your answer is wrong. It's no, just, yeah, it's a different it's, way of looking right. at it. I, I think both of these guys can be super explosive. And that's mm-hmm. if you can get both of these guys to pop, which I actually think is going to happen. I really do, uh, based on everything that I've seen up to this point. Oh my gosh. I mean, this offense, I mean, who do you stop? I mean, mm-hmm. do you do you do you key on Michael Mayer? Do you key on Braden Lindsay? Do you key on Lorenzo Styles? The you know the quarterback. I, I mean, the list goes on and on for me. I I, I think that it, this this offense is going to be super duper explosive. You are giggling like crazy over there, and I don't Sorry. know why. <laughs> Jason uh, uh, Krapek says, "Pray for me today, Ivy oh. Nation. Today, I officially retire from my reproductive career and will be undergoing the old snippety doodah." Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you uh you you definitely be in our prayers. I still remember when this happened to my dad. So my my dad, Vince, you've met him, big guy, you know, tough guy, toughest man I've ever known. First time I saw my father cry was at his own dad's funeral, right? Um, but he was such a freaking baby when this when he had this. <laughs> like I remember walking down in the basement because we had like a TV down in the basement, that's where the Nintendo was. Yeah, and he had like a blanket on and he still had like his hospital socks, you know, those ones with the bottom. With the little padding with, with the, the grip. It's got the grip. <laughs> yes. So um uh, I'm praying for you, man. Not I'm looking forward to sure that. that. Yeah. Not looking yeah. forward to that. I know it's probably in my future at some point, but uh Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, so back I, to yeah, Back so to, John has like a bunch of questions. Let's do Not it. That's what I love about you. Just want to roll we through John's. Know we'll at least have some questions because John's questions. I, I'm going to kind of cherry pick some of them, uh, mm-hmm. and not necessarily go in order. This is a good one. Injuries happen every year. Do coaching staffs build in contingency plans in case a pivotal player is knocked out of play for an extended period of time? It's a great question. It's a great you, question. You don't necessarily specifically have a contingency plan, meaning like okay. Here's our call sheet, and if so and so goes down, we go to this. It's more right. about just making sure you have other guys prepped. Yes, right. So your contingency plan is, you know, your starters get sixty to seventy percent of the snaps, right. and your backups right. get the other, you know, thirty to forty percent of the snaps. And it's about knowing that okay, this is what these guys do well. So like if you know, let's say Deion Colsey's your boundary receiver, and you know you've got a package for him because he's six four, six five, two o, you know, two o seven. He'll probably be two ten by the time the fall starts, and yeah. You know, he's doing things that nobody else can do, and he goes down, for example. You know, okay, this is what Joe and Tobias or Jaden or whoever else is going to be there can do, right? We saw this last year against Virginia Tech when when uh, Michael Mayer went down. You know, it it altered how they went sure. to their game plan, and, and you know, the, the tight end wasn't as much of a focal point in what they do. 
I actually thought George Takis played well that game, caught one pass, probably could have caught a couple more if they would have keyed on him. But there was like a bit of a contingency plan. And I think in that instance, it really didn't work that well. Like, you know, I don't think they really adjusted all that great. It wasn't until Tyler Buckner came in and provided right. a little bit of a, a spark that they really started to get things going. But, you know, I think that's really what it comes down to is, okay, if when Logan Diggs is in the game, here's what we're relying on. When Audrey yes, estimates exactly. the game, here's what we're relying on. So if mm-hmm. you lose Chris Tyree for a stretch of time, you know what the package is for those guys. Yeah. And then you rep it, you know, Tuesday to Thursday and walk through it on Friday to make sure everybody's on the same page. So that really is what the contingency plan is. I think the only – the only place where you may have, John, to your question, sort of a a legitimate contingency plan, meaning we have this on the place sheet, is if you lose your quarterback. Yep, that's exactly and right. Your backup is a younger guy, right? So, like, or I a different style, no, or a different style. Yeah, guy, but see, I don't agree. think like with with this year, for example, let's say Drew, let's say Tyler Buckner's a starter. Yeah, you have your game plan, and Tyler Drew Pine, and he goes down, and Drew Pine comes in. All you do is alter. Okay, we're not calling the design runs anymore, but the rest of the stuff you can still call, right? You're, it's just maybe a, a tweak here, a tweak there. Sure. I'm more thinking of like, you know, let's say 2019 when Ian Book was a starter and Phil Jerkovic was the backup. There was going to be a big difference in yes. what you were going to call when Phil right. came in the game. So you're exactly. going to have sort of like a – you should have anyway. I don't know if they did. But you should have, <laughs> should have yeah. Like your Phil Jerkovic package. Yeah. That if he has to go in, this is what we're going to. And there's some and overlap, obviously. Right. Like if you, you do the Venn diagram, right? You're there's still going to have the inside zone. You know, there's yes. overlap of what they can do, but then there's other things that, yeah, it's going to make the offense look different. Absolutely, right? No question. That's a good, that's, really good question, John. And that's the that's the key as a coaching staff. Look, you you go through, and and there, that's been the fatal flaw, honestly, of other coaching staffs at Notre Dame and other places, high school level as well. All they do is practice their starters, and everybody else is on the sideline, just kind of. Standing there taking up space, right? So um, you have to know, okay, well, here's our depth chart. And if so-and-so goes in, you do have to alter kind of what you do. It's not, it can't just be a plug and play. Well, like, oh, if this kid goes down and we put this kid in, we can still run in everything that we're always going to run. And that's what we do because that's who we are. Mm-hmm. You have to be a better coach than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've seen so many coaches just try to plug somebody in and just do what they do, right? And right. that's not always going to work. So that's why it's a really good question, John. Good coaching staffs have a contingency plan, and they know how to adjust when they have to sub a player out. Right. We got some more, right, from, uh, oh, from old from old. do John we Warren. ever. Do Let's we do ever. It. He says, can the run blocking be better than 17 on the right side? So Lug and Fisher versus Bars and Hainsey. You know, you know how you can kind of have like an emotional swing on things, Vince, you know, as you're, you know, doing something and we're talking about music, right? You can kind of have an emotional swing while you're like, you know, like, oh, this is all right. And then all of a sudden the, the chorus is like, oh, I love it. Or you're like, I'm digging this. And then the chorus starts and like yeah. blows, right? <laughs> so I'm having an emotional swing of this. Like during the first part of the question, I'm like that Danny DeVito meme, you know, the, you know, uh, <laughs> Because I'm like, can the run blocking be better than 17? Because I'm just like, no, no, it can't. Then on the right side, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a little bit. Okay, so like, okay, I see where he's going there. And that one is a little bit interesting because, see, it's not Bars Hainsey. It's Bars Hainsey Kramer. That's true. Because one thing Tommy did really well in 2017, like the the sad thing is, is Tommy Kramer's best year was 2017. 
and I'm, I'm not, that's not a shot at Jeff Quinn. Cause I know I've said that to people before and they've taken it as a shot. It's just, that was his only healthy year. Right. That, that's, he battled that's, so many injuries. That's what it came down to. Yeah. It, it wasn't cause he was a tackle compared to guard or, you know, who the O-line coach was. I mean, of course it mattered who the O-line coach was. We've but made that's that not argument, the but point that's that not making. the reason why yeah. it's that that was his only healthy year, but he was right. a really good run blocker. I remember, you remember that long inside zone run they had against Michigan State in the first half before Josh Adams got hurt? You know, he had a pank. I think it was uh, – who was that DN they had? Like Willikus, Kenny Willikus. I think it was on Willikus. And he took him down inside. Like Josh Adams cut his inside zone behind – like he was running opposite, running inside zone left. He cut his inside zone back behind Tommy Kramer's block, and then he just pancaked him. So that was a really good run blocking team. Alex Bars had some really filthy blocks that year. If you go watch the NC State game and the USC game especially, we've shown the inside zone against USC. We showed it during Alex's appearance here where yeah, he right. just takes that guy and just uses his right arm and throws him into the A-gap to open up the cutback lane for Josh Adams. So that was a really good unit. And they averaged, as a team, they averaged like 6.4 yards per carry that year. The right side of the line averaged 5.9 yards per carry that year. And and part of that was, and that's to meaning to the right, like when calls were to the right side, they averaged 5.9 yards per carry. But the thing you have to consider is some of the inside zone stuff to the left, even though it counts as a run to the left, it's actually designed to cut back cut to back, the right. Yeah. And they had a very high yards per carry average. The other thing is they ran the ball in the red zone near the goal line more to the right than to the left. And I think part of that is if you go back and look, because teams are overloading it's to game the left planning. side. Yeah, that's game planning. Right. Yeah. And so they had like 12 rushing touchdowns of like three yards or less to the right. So if you take those out because they're, you know, two to three yard, one to two, three yard runs, they were over six yards to carry to the just on calls to the right side that year, which is, I mean, phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And and so the right side of the line was really good. Can this unit be better? It has a chance, yes. I'm not ready to say it will be yet. Yeah. Because Alex was a veteran and to me had been proven to be a better player already than what Josh Lug has proven himself to be. Right. And but if Josh can, you know, kind of get right and get healthy, then I think he can have a good year. It it really comes down to is Blake Fisher like I think sometimes like we look at Blake and we see how super talented he is. Yeah. He's not mm-hmm. gonna be the junior senior year version of himself yet. Sure. He's just like Quentin Nelson, as good as he was in 2015 as a redshirt freshman, and he was outstanding in 2015. He wasn't as good as he was in 2017. Right, exactly. That year. And so he's still an evolving player. Am I ready to say for sure that that group is going to be better than 2017? Definitely not. I'm not saying that. Would by the end of the year, if they're playing at a level as good or better than that side of the line, would I be shocked? No. I yeah. also wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. I'm just not at the point, Vince, where I can predict it. I it's there's two reasons. You mentioned one with with um Fisher being young still. I mean, he, he's got what two games under his belt in college? One and a half. I mean, yeah. So and he got hurt in the first half against Florida State, you know. He's gonna be great, okay? But I'm not ready to say he's gonna be great in 22, right? I mean, maybe he will be, and then that would be great. Um, and what I saw of Josh Lug in the spring, he's not there yet. Do I still think he's a better guard than he is a tackle? We've I've been saying that forever. Like I, I've always thought 
that he was a better guard than he was going to be a tackle. And so I think right. he's back where he belongs. Right. But it's still a bit of a transition going right. from tackle to guard. And, and he's and not there if, yet. And even if the transition is smooth, Vince, it's not to say he's going to be a better player than Alex Bars. Alex yeah. Bars. Oh, was a yeah. Really, That's good. He was point. a really good football player. <laughs> and if not for an incredibly devastating knee injury, I think he's a day two NFL draft pick. I really right. do. But it's just he was so good in twenty sure. in twenty seventeen. And he That's was off to bar. a great start in twenty eighteen until the knee injury. It it's really comes down to can the, can Blake Fisher be that much better than what the tackles were in 2017? And that's going to be tough. Yeah. So is it is it potentially could it be better? Yes. Sure. Am I predicting it? No. Is there a long way to go to get there? Absolutely. Yes, but absolutely. The fact that we didn't just like, of course not. Yeah. Uh, I think says a lot about how good that group can be. Because oh. if he would have said, could it be better on the left side than, you know, Quentin well, McGlinchey? I'd have kind of laughed tough. at him. And yeah, it's like, tough. Okay. That's April tough. Fool's. Yeah, I love, I love Joe yeah. Ald. I, I love Andrew Kostovic yeah. and whoever. But no. Come on, man. Like it's No. And look, no one wants Josh Lug to be successful more than I do or we do. I, I, I love his Josh. parents and Josh. Right. Where he stands. But other than that, correct. I, I'm telling you. And I Chris Tyree and yeah, Logan right, Diggs. Right, and right. But other than that, Vince, you're spot on. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want. I would love for him to be successful. I don't want him to go out. I didn't want him to go out with the Josh is a good kid. The 21 performance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think he had a, he was playing out of position in my opinion. Right. And I don't, I don't think, think that was he was fair. coached well. Yeah. And I don't think that's fair. You know what I mean? So I want him to go out with a dominant. I, year I, I agree. I yeah. like Josh. I'd like to see him have a good yes, year. Yes, absolutely. I, I would. So I, I want to make sure question. I got that out there. Here's a really good one from John. Okay. We're going back into the coaching aspect. Brian, if you were working on a game plan against the Notre Dame defense, what or who would you attack first? I mean, this is, a, this is an easy one first. I'm finding ways to get favorable matchups against Clarence Lewis. And this isn't a shot on Clarence. It's just that's what I would have said too. You know. That was the exact my exact But here's the thing, John, and, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna give a bit of a cop-out answer and then try to answer it in a certain way. I can't answer that question because I don't know what you're what like what offense are you giving me? Are you giving me the Notre Dame offense? Are you giving me the you know and because what that means is I got to know what my personnel is. I can't sure. say, hey, I'm going to attack Clarence Lewis. But what if I don't have the personnel for that? Right. What if my personnel is better suited to attack other areas? So I'd have to know kind of who I'm coaching and what my offense is personnel wise. You know, what kind of quarterback do I have? Right. But let's just say I had the I had recruited the offense that I want and I, my personnel was where I wanted it. Now, there's really three matchups that I'm that I'm looking to establish. Number one is I'm looking to find ways to get you know, my best guy against Clarence Lewis. Number two, I'm going to try to find ways to get my slots and my tight ends and in, in matchups in, down the field against Jack Kaiser in the pass game. And then in the run game, I mean, based on where Notre Dame is right now, I'm basically going to find ways to out leverage you to your strong side, meaning your nose and your big end, because um, I'm not trying to run at Jason Adamiel and Isaiah Foskey. They're going to be on the same side of the field based on the way Notre Dame has run its defense, you know, because Jason's a three technique and Isaiah's a Viper. The Viper and the three tech tend to go together. So right now, my bigger question is, is the nose and the big end. So I'm going to have to try to find ways to somewhat, you know, neutralize that backside, meaning Adam Yola and, and Foskey, and then the other Adam Yola when he's in the game. And say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna design my run game to kind of run at that right side of the line, okay. meaning my right side, you know, the, you know, the Notre Dame left side, basically, if we're on the boundary, or you know, so it'd be a lot of field runs. And and that's a bit of a against what a lot of teams do. A lot of teams tend to be boundary oriented with their run game, which they we do. discussed yesterday. Yeah. Which I've never really quite understood, but it is what it is. 
You and I have but, had that discussion before, yeah. by the way, and it it, it, it always yeah. kind of befuddled me as well. Never understood it. Yeah. I mean, some stuff I understand, you know, right. it's numbers and all that kind of sure. stuff, but but yeah, that would be the three things that I would probably look at. And then my the other thing too is some of my stuff in the run game is going to be designed when Bo Bowers in the game is going to be designed on I'm stretching and making Bo make a decision. Yep. Because I, I feel like if I can get him to make enough decisions, and we saw this in the bowl game as well, eventually he's going to make a mistake, and I'm creasing you. And that I was mean, those were my two. It was Clarence yeah. and Bo. Those were the two guys that I would attack. Um, you know, and in, in various ways, obviously. But yeah, those are the two guys that I would attack um, for the reasons you just outlined. So, well, you really have jumped off the Bo Bauer hype. Well, again. Uh, I think this defense is going to be really good, but I think he could potentially be a weak link. That, that's yeah. all I'm saying. And that, yeah. But that says, more about, that yeah. says more about the other guys around him and how good I think they're going to be, I think, than it does specifically about him, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just I, – I just that's what I would do. I mean, yeah, I'm not off. I'm just, you know, hanging on. Okay, here's one more from John. And this is kind of a fun one. If you got to play for Notre Dame, what jersey number – would you want John's going with the classic three? You were seven, man. Seven, yeah. I mean, I'm a John Elway fan. I wore seven in college. I wore eight my freshman year, uh, you know, because seven was was being used by our starting running back, so I went eight. But yeah, I never had a non single digit in college, uh, huh. so I'm just that's how I rolled, man. You were single digit, me. You're one when you those. start as a freshman, you kind of get dibs on you know what number you want. So then when I transferred to Salisbury, I got seven, so I was happy okay. about that because that was always the number I wanted. Okay, I, 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 was, I was always an eleven guy. That was always my number. Barry Larkin, baby. Then that was Damon Berryhill. Okay, catcher for the Braves. For whatever reason, I loved watching Damon Berryhill back in the day because I was a catcher and he was number eleven. So it was always number eleven for me. And then when I got to high school, I was eleven for baseball, twenty-one for football. Okay. Which tells you a lot about the triple option offense we ran since I was a wide receiver. Hey uh, man, mo- one of the best, one of my favorite all. Nick, she. Yeah, there's been a couple, but one of my favorite all-time receivers in Notre Dame was number 21, most oval. Most oval, yeah, absolutely. And my favorite Notre Dame receiver of all time was number 20. Actually, some of the best Notre Dame receivers ever have worn in the 20s. Or the 20s, yeah. Rocket, yeah. Golden Tate, most oval. So good point. That's a good point. You shut so. your blasphemous mouth up, Vince, <laughs> talking about receivers in the 20s. That's great. Well, and, and now, for, for as a coach, I wear 21. Uh, so I just kind of kept okay. the train there moving. You go. So. We have a couple more comments here about um, – about our, uh, our, you know, uh, people assuming they know what Vince's guilty pleasure is. Nickelback. Quinn Gibbler says Vince likes Nickelback. I was going to say uh. which Nickelback song, but they kind of all sound the same. Matt D <laughs> says Vince equals vanilla ice. Ice, ice, baby. Uh, Bob's an idiot is coming to your defense with your Bob Duran Duran. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Duran Duran. <laughs> Duran Duran. <laughs> so uh, uh, Mason said well with the super chat. Mason says, do you think. Brian Kelly was a championship coach. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this one real quickly, Vince, and give you a chance to answer it. No, what I always said is I think Brian Kelly could have been, and I never I'll never go away from this. Brian Kelly could have been a championship coach in Notre Dame if he was willing to do the things that kept him from getting to that hump, and he never was. And instead of making those changes, he tucked his tail between his right. legs and ran off to Baton Rouge, where it's where he thinks it's easier. He's in for a rude awakening. Oh, he absolutely thinks that. And yeah, he's going to get hammered by the press down there for some yeah. of the antics that he would. For now, it'd be fine. Away with. But yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, he, he wasn't willing to. He wasn't willing to be. A, look, 
you know, people say, oh, well, you know, he, he look at all the things he accomplished in the past. And that's why I was a pro Brian Kelly guy for a long time. But the reality is the guy that did what he did at Grand Valley and the guy that did what he did since that, that guy wasn't at Notre Dame for a while. Yeah. He was a different per- He cared more about a lot of things other than being a football coach. I'm Absolutely. just sorry. He did. Yeah. And his complete unwillingness to be what a head coach is supposed to be at a place like Notre Dame, meaning, you know, have a door that's open where your players, you know, feel like you have and that was back. a loud complaint right you know feel like they have while. your back you know make the make the tough decisions make don't always make it about you right, right? you know and that's the thing that you'll you, you want to talk about the biggest complaint that players had that from the i mean there's been many from the conversation i had it's like when everything went wrong it was always our fault yeah it was never his he was good you know? at that though great at that he was real he was master good. at that. It's shifting the blame. Right. Right. It's not that we called 57 pass plays in the hurricane. It's Sam Mustafer can't snap in a hurricane. That's right. the problem. Right. You know, it's like, okay. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, no, he wasn't. Could he have been? Yeah, he could have been. He had the potential to be that. He just wasn't willing to get out of his own way. And he wasn't the same coach he was early on. People, people have said, like, why have you been hammering him so much since he left? And I was like, uh, since he left? He's going to say. Like, you're not are you new to this channel like, <laughs> and look so, there were nuanced ways in which you could hammer the current head coach but we right. but we're honest about things now right. have more things come out since he left maybe a little not but only really but only because only at only what other people talk about right we've and, been talking about that crap and, for years and only because the way he handled himself from the time he left and since he's been down there no. highlighted some of the things that what we it's have already about, been Vince, talking is, about People that were talking about how this is the best coaching job Brian Kelly's ever done because right. they were trying to be in with him rather than give you legitimate news and, and information and analysis. Absolutely. Felt free to give what they already knew to be true. Right. Like people that were writing articles after the season about his recruiting issues as if that was new. Yes. Were the same people criticizing us and criticizing what's the cat from the South Bend Tribune that wrote that article about him like a year or two ago. Good guy, young kid, did recruiting for them. What was his name? Oh, uh, um, Carter Carls. Carter Carl. Carter, yes. Carter Carells, right? Isn't Carls. that it? Carter Carls. Carls. Okay, yeah. Carter wrote that article, and he got hammered for it. And we complained about Brian Kelly's lack of recruiting prowess, and we got hammered. Oh, you're jealous. You know, you know the flack that I caught in, with the media, with fans, because of – and then all of a sudden when he leaves, those same people that were on the BK hype train – that were talking trash about us behind our backs because we were hammering Kelly. We're then trying to jump on board and, and get that anti-Kelly sentiment, you know, and like, oh, this was going on. They knew that the whole time. Of course they did. They were just, they were just, they didn't want to. They what we decided was I care more about being honest mm-hmm. and giving people honest analysis than I care about whether or not Brian Kelly likes me and whether or not the staff was going to try to freeze me out. I, I didn't care. Right. Because I, I mean, I've always said, Vince, I'm going to go to bed at night and, and feel be able to put my head on the pillow and know that I put an honest day's work in. That's how I was raised. And I'm not kissing Brian Kelly's butt. And I'm not kissing Marcus Freeman's butt either. Right. The reason I'm praising Marcus Freeman is because they're doing the job right exactly. now. And if Marcus Freeman stops doing the job the way he's supposed to, and if three years he's no longer a relentless recruiter and he decides he likes golfing and likes handshakes and likes being paid for speaking engagements more than he likes being a football coach in Notre Dame, he'll catch my wrath too, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're not doing your job as a football coach in Notre Dame, you're cheating the kids. Absolutely. This is their one shot to, to have a career. And I know what it's like as a player to have that taken from you 
because of things that are outside of your control. Yep. And, and so that really bothers me. And the reality is, is Brian Kelly did that for years. And the other thing that Notre Dame fans need to understand is Brian Kelly tried to leave Notre Dame multiple times. Yes, absolutely. The correct. only reason he was as long, he was here as long as he was is because there were multiple times. Nobody would take him. J- Jack Swarbrick and Chad Clunder drove the push to go hire Chip Long and Mike Elko. Why? Because Brian Kelly and his agent were working hard to try to get somebody to hire him. When the the because I, I believe Brian Kelly and, and Tom Herman have the same agent. When Tom Herman spurned LSU to go to Texas, the agent was trying to then use that as a backdoor to get Brian Kelly to LSU. Then, and LSU was like, "You went four and eight this year, right? You know what I mean." And he was trying to get out of Notre Dame. And that wasn't the only time. This is just the first time somebody was dumb enough to pay him that kind of money and bring him in. Right? <laughs> because and, because of the carousel. Right. Like coaches were jumping LSU off the panic. carousel. Yeah, oh, LSU panicked because they thought they were going to get Lincoln Riley. Yes, that was a panic And when move. he left, they had already been turned down by Billy Napier. They knew they weren't getting Lincoln Riley. And it's like, who else are you going to get? Right. Uh, Mel Tucker had turned them down. They'd already been turned down by like, multiple oh, coaches. Oh, yeah, this guy wanted to come a few years back. Right. Let's try him. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, anyway. But good luck to everybody down there. In the right. Boot. Right. And, and LSU fan, LSU players, prepare to get yourselves thrown under the bus, backed up over, and rolled over again. I'm just saying good that's going to happen. Good so. luck. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Zacho says, who's your breakout player and why is it Jadarian Price? <laughs> That's funny. That's good. That's good. Not Jadarian Price. Uh, That's good. Breakout player. I guess let's define breakout. A guy, a breakout for me is someone who's either a rotational player, is either a starter that was just kind of a, 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 you know, just a kind of a, you know, a guy that just was like a a guy, right? Just a nice piece of the puzzle that becomes a star, a guy that's a backup guy that becomes a very productive starter or a guy that never played that becomes a very important role. So like uh, that, that would be mine. My my breakout player is going to be Chris Tyree is who I'm going to go with. Uh, But I'm like, if you ask me tomorrow, my answer might be Lorenzo Styles. If you ask me on Sunday, my answer might be Deion Colsey. Like I'm just back and forth. You're just staying on offense. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Say I was was gonna say Marist was mine for defense. I think. Yeah, I mean, I just got to see him be healthy first. You know, I mean, that's a big thing for me. But yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I'm going with. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going with Marist. I'm going with Marist. I, I I like. I was so excited about him last year. And again, I was disappointed when he obviously didn't get to play because he was injured. And I think that with a little bit of discipline, which I think he will get, 
I think he could be a breakout player defensively. So I'm I'm looking forward to him. I know Ryan uh, Roberts would also go with you on that. Ooh, yeah, I knew I liked he that guy. He loves Samarist. I knew I liked that guy. Oh, here we go. This is a fun one. I just texted you not to bring up oh, that question. All righty. Sorry, I didn't I don't really see care it. to get into my recruiting experience. Okay, well, I thought not it was relevant. It wasn't Division One. It wasn't. Fair enough. Um, it's not really something I really And let me just tell you, the difference between Division One recruiting and everything else yeah. A lot different. I had I had early Division that. One recruiting experience, but you know, it just it you know I don't really care to get into it. So. That's all good, Rob. Just more of a comment. Did you see the one from Jason Burkhardt about uh, Gabriel Rubio? I did. Okay, let's let's talk about that one first. Okay, Jason Burkhardt can Gabriel Rubio be a difference maker? I, I think right now, Jason, I haven't seen that from him since he got to Notre Dame. I thought in high school, I thought he could be as a nose tackle. I've always felt that Gabriel was better suited to be a nose tackle in this defense, but I just haven't seen it yet. I mean, there's just in the limited practices we've, we've had a chance to kind of have film of, I just haven't seen a guy that's a difference maker, yeah. but again, he's, it's early. It's a redshirt freshman. He hasn't really played in a game yet. It's early. It's, uh, you know, he, he's got a long way to go to reach the potential that we thought he had. And it's really just comes down to Vince and the practices we saw, I just don't see a lot of lateral quickness from him. Like, and even like his get off is good, but it's not as good as what it was. Like when we saw him at camp, when we saw him, you know, as a high school player. And so I want, part of me wonders like, is he, is he still coming back from something? Is he not a hundred percent? Cause I just haven't seen the same explosiveness from him that we saw in high school. Now that could, hopefully that comes back. Or and sure. it wasn't. Hopefully, it comes back and it wasn't just a misevaluation. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what I hope it was. Because I was real excited about him too. Right. I, I thought that he was going to be a beast, and I thought he right. might. You I know, thought he was going to be able to help as a freshman. And that's, he was. He was banged right up out of my mouth. That, that's, that's what I was going to say. I thought he was we banged up a him. lot last year, and that was the reason he didn't play. And it, from, and hit some again, shoulder stuff, and it could yeah. still be an issue to a degree. Might be still getting right. his, his legs underneath him and all that, but. Um, it, Maybe he could be, but yeah, there's there's a decent way to go. And he's gonna have to get through kind of a log jam of guys that right. are producing. But especially with Aiden out, I think it it'd be nice if he did step up. Yeah, absolutely. Because with Aiden Kiana Anna out, there's there's no beef there. And yeah. you know, there are I'm not one of those people that believes you have to you have to have three hundred ten pounders and all that. I, I don't believe that to be true, but it's nice to have that as an option. Yeah. And absolutely. and Gabriel's the one guy that brings He's the one guy that brings a little beef to the table, Vince. Absolutely. Rob O'Meara says, Coach D, new to the channel, from Cork, Ireland. Hope to see you over in Dublin for the Navy game in 23. I hope so, too. That would be great. That means yeah. the company's doing really well. Well, uh, not just that, but it's... <laughs> it's um, Well, and travel and restrictions and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's the only thing I'm worried about. <laughs> so Hey, I'm all, I'm all for that trip. That'd be a lot yeah. of fun. Oh, you think Coach D? He was referring to you. Well, no, I, I, I knew he was talking about you, <laughs> okay. but that's what I go by here. Vince trying to sucker me into paying for him to go. To Ireland. Yeah, duh. I hope but, the company's doing well enough where I can pay multiple people to go. To yeah, Ireland. that's all I'm saying. That'd be pretty awesome. That's yes. all I'm saying. That's why. That's why I said what I yeah, said. I, I knew you. they meant you, but okay. you know, around here in my in my world, okay. I'm Coach uh-huh. D. So I know yeah, it is. It's all it is. good. It's all so good. I, I'm going to bring this one up. It's a very loaded question. Uh, from Ty B says, what does Notre Dame need to do to get the win in the shoe? Yeah. It's a little early for that one. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, we've been asked this before, so let's just give kind of a broad big picture view events. If you want to start off and just kind of 
Well, in your opinion. Okay. Well, they need to solidify who the quarterback is going to mm-hmm. be. I, that that's number one offensively. Um, and then number two, the, I, some of the guys that we talked about are going to need to hit where they need to hit. Like like Braden Lindsay, Lorenzo Styles needs to kind of be that guy. Avery Davis needs to come back healthy. You know, Colsey I think needs to step up and kind of be a guy that they could count on. Right, offensively. The offensive line needs to gel, which I think is going to happen, right? And they're they're going to have to be effective. Um, you know, Chris Tyree needs to take that next step and be kind of that that go to guy. You know, defensively, mm-hmm. some guys need to solidify their roles there as well, right? Uh, on the defense, they need to. You know, Ryan Barnes. We talked about him earlier. If he can step up and kind of be a guy in the defensive secondary, that's going to help big time because we know what the strength of Ohio State is. It's those receivers, right? Brandon Joseph needs to be who we think he is at safety, right? Um, and then who's going to be his guy next to him? Is it going to be Ramon Henderson? Is it going to be Xavier Watts? You know, who? what is that rotation going to look like? So there's a lot of question marks for me right now. Yeah. And a lot of those things need to pop for them to be successful in the first game. So, I mean, obviously Vince is looking at it from one direction. I'm going to go in a different direction. And obviously all those things are important, right? I'm going to say, okay, everything's kind of panned out and this is the team that we think it's going to be, right? So practically speaking, I think there's just certain things that, that need to be done. Number one, they have to they have to the best way to go on the road and win a game is to win at the line of scrimmage on yeah, both sides of the ball. They're gonna have to win on the line of scrimmage. I think that's especially true on defense, actually. Yes, it's important on offense, but I think Notre Dame can throw on Ohio State. I do. Uh so obviously if Notre Dame's able to run, that's even better. Sure. But look, they're not gonna go out there and cover the Ohio State receivers all day. They're not. The only chance you have to keep Ohio State's points down enough to win the game is if C.J. Stroud just doesn't have the time to go hit those guys. That's going to be the bigger thing, Vince. And so, to me, you have to control the line of scrimmage. You have to defensively limit the big plays. And you have to have – you have to be able to create negatives. You have to be able to create tackles for loss, sacks, breakups, and turnovers. Like, you have to create inefficiency because Ohio State's offense is built around efficiency. It's efficient. It's efficient. It's efficient. Explode. Boom. That's yeah. what they do. Yep. And you have to get them, you have to get them off track. You have to get them off schedule, so to speak. Right. And then offensively, on top of controlling the line of scrimmage and protecting the football, because turnovers suck, but they especially suck on the on, on the road. You need to have a fast start and you need big plays. Yeah, you know that's the thing is if if you you're gonna have a hard time coming from behind in that game, you're gonna have to jump out on them early. And either match them point for point, or if your defense is playing well, jump on them and, and gain some separation and hope to hold them off, which is a lot like what Oregon did. I mean, that was the recipe for Oregon, right? Yeah. Oregon dominated Ohio State in the trenches in that game. They never let CJ Stroud get going. They never let the run game get going. And even though they put up some yards and points, they created enough inefficiency that Ohio State just couldn't score enough to win. And and that's really going to be the key if Notre Dame. I mean. If I remember correctly, I think Ohio State scored like 28 points in both of their losses, right? Or at least 27. I'm looking at it now. Uh, I mean, it's not like they lost 17 to 14 last year. You know, they lost two games. They lost 35 to 28. Yeah, and 42 to 27. So, you, you know, you're, you're going to have to score to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been Notre Dame's problem in big games for, a de- for decades has been when they play in big games, they just can't score. Right. And and so that's going to be obviously a big a big part of that one, too. K Grant has a fun one. Who would you be a fan of if Notre Dame didn't exist? It's a good question. 
I've just been indoctrinated with Notre Dame like my whole life. So there's not really like a second team for me. Yeah. I don't even, yeah, I don't even know. Because like regionally, you, okay, so I've, I've lived in South, the South Bend area, Elkhart, South Bend my whole life. So regionally, you're talking IU, you're talking Purdue, you're talking Michigan. I can't even like say those words without like this sour taste. In Ryan my mouth. just sent me a text. He's like, "For Vince, it's Michigan." Ah, oh, see, I can't even. I can't even do it. Oh yeah. my goodness gracious! Um, I'd say know, whoever I, whoever my dad would have liked if he didn't like Notre Dame, and that's, I mean, that's fair. What it would have been? I could see that's myself, why I like Notre Dame is my dad. I could know? see myself being like a Purdue fan. You know yeah. what I mean? I I. I guess <laughs> I don't even want to say it because where I grew up, it would have been either Ohio State or up. Michigan. Oh. And you got to think of like my formative years of of being a Notre Dame fan were like 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93. Miami, you know, Michigan, Miami. No, not Miami, but like Michigan had some really good basketball teams back then. And they were said some really good football teams back then. So I would have not been an Ohio State guy. I despised everything about Ohio State. I probably I don't even want to say it. Move on. Yeah, I mean, just logically speaking, that's probably who it would have been. Nope. Or I would have done kind of what I did with a lot of other sports. I, it would have been like maybe a Florida State because I loved Florida State. But sure. like, I loved watching Florida State play back then, like offensively, like in the early '90s. Loved watching Charlie Ward as well, a quarterback. And see, you know I enjoyed I mean? watching Florida in the early to mid '90s. And yeah. one of my buddies was yeah, a huge Florida a fan, and that's so we watched one. Florida games. And I kind of dug yeah. watching Florida. So that is oh a very interesting. Yeah, did, you, did your wife just scare you? Yes, she brought <laughs> me a tea, and I and I, I just see like this thing moving in the side, <laughs> and I'm like, "What the freaking heck?" Vince, I was about to grab that thing behind me. So. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's great. That's <laughs> what great. the heck was going on, man? Awesome. It just got it just got real here in the Driscoll household. <laughs> Thanks, Ange. That is awesome. <laughs> it just got a little weird here. All right, let's get to some. Uh, here we go. I love this one. John Mayo says the wife finally was convinced to let me join the message. Yes. Great. Here's one. Vince Kevon asks: Is Tyson Ford a big end or is he playing free technique? Well, he's kind of playing um, both right now, isn't yeah. he? I mean, he's he's been he's. Definitely being crossed. He's done both. We don't know if it was a nickel package or if they are just right. literally looking at him because he's a big kid. Yeah. Like you see he's, pictures of him from he doesn't the spring like he He's going to be 290 when it's all yeah. said and done. I mean, he doesn't look like a dude who's supposed to go to prom boy. in a month. No. You know? No. He is a big boy. Yeah. There's a whole lot to Tyson Ford, man. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. No question about that. Yeah, we're glad. We're, somebody said, I have, feel like I haven't seen Vince in like three weeks. Because <laughs> well, what's happened is Vince can't do shows as much. And then there's been a couple times recently where I've had to cancel shows because I couldn't do it. And and Vince was. And then yesterday, Vince bailed on me. I did. He was I, like, well, I can't do the show today. So I was like, hey, Ryan, let's do a show, man. Yeah, Ryan I, didn't bail on me. No, Just no, he didn't. I had to yeah. take my team to a press conference. That's what I had to do, which was an interesting. I did, I did want to ask this one, Vince, before you go. I want, yeah. you know, because I know you got to, um, yeah. you got to bounce. But I, I do want to get your answer on this one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll keep rolling with Ryan, with Ryan in the show. Uh, Rob Lobo one two three has how how high are you Ooh. guys on you? And I want to bring in Ryan for this one too. Ooh. How and I'll Vince will let you go, and then okay. we'll kind of get Ryan into this. How high are you guys on USC this year? Personally, I think BC will be the hard, be a harder game. 
you know, it's really interesting because BC is going to be a difficult game. There's no question. You bring in Phil, and then now he's got a great tight end to throw to. Um, I, I think that BC could be a very difficult game. The thing about USC is they're going to have better athletes across the board, and there, there, there's opportunities there for USC to out athlete. No, I shouldn't say out athlete. That's not what I'm out athlete. BC as far as they could out athlete Notre Dame. I mean, they fair, could. fair enough. They, they, I don't think everything is necessarily going to click for USC this year. I think they would be a bigger problem for me next year. I am just as afraid of USC as I am of BC, but with USC as slightly ahead just because of the athlete issue, just because of what Lincoln Riley's look, Lincoln Riley's a good coach and he's going to have that offense going. I don't know if he's going to have the whole team going in one year, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be, the, the matchup is going to be Notre Dame's defense versus their offense, right? Right. Um, I think BC could potentially be a more complete team next year. So maybe that's where he's coming from. But maybe. I'm still more afraid of USC than I am of BC. Ryan, what, what say you? Um, I was just actually looking at the USC roster. They just don't have a ton of seniors, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a lot of younger guys that are going to be contributing. A lot of transfers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's Caleb Williams, a quarterback transfer, Travis Diet, running back transfer, Brendan Rice transfer, Mario Williams transfer. That's just on the offensive side of the football. Shane Lee transfer, Makai Blackman transfer, Damani Jackson is projected to be a starter as a true freshman. So I'm kind of with Vince on this one. I think 2023 is more the the year that USC maybe takes the step forward. I think they'll be better this year for sure, but I'm not sure I buy into them being a I mean, they were four and seven last year, right? So I might say they're four and eight, four and eight. So yeah. I, I would say they're more a eight win team this year, nine wins, maybe. I mean, like a, a much improved team, but still, I mean, there's going to be some kinks, I think, early on in the season. I think they're either going to be Notre Dame's second toughest game or not in the top five. It'll <laughs> be one or the other. For USC, you're talking about. For USC. Yeah. And the reason I say that is, is because A, they're, because they are young, they're either going to be like beat up and just kind of fading down the stretch because it is late. Or the reason I say second toughest is if everything clicks, they're going to, that's game 12 for them. They're going to have a lot under their belts, right? So mm -hmm. if everything clicks and they're healthy and the offense is kind of playing it to its potential and, you know, Lincoln Riley's able to kind of get them rolling right away, which, you know, we've seen turnarounds like that before. Notre Dame went from four and eight to number three ranked team in the country in November, right? Mm -hmm. but they faded down the stretch. Right. So if Notre Dame is able to, is able to do that, then, I mean, if USC is able to do that, then, you know, maybe they could be tough. Cause I, I would argue that, you know, their offense scares me a whole lot more than Clemson's offense scares me just based on, just on paper. Right mm -hmm. now the, here's the problem with USC. The reason it's a concern is because the matchup of, I look at Notre Dame's defense of what we know of it now with the question marks at receiver and then say, you know, well, okay, Cam Hart can take out Brendan Rice, but Clarence Lewis on Mario Williams is not a matchup I'm overly fond of right now. Or, right. you know, Clarence Lewis against Brendan Rice or whoever else. So mm -hmm. I think that matchup concerns me a little bit. But then it, on the, I keep coming back to the idea of, yeah, but which matchup would you be more concerned? Which matchup would, bot, would, would you be most focused on if you were USC? Mario Williams against Clarence Lewis or whoever your tackles are against Isaiah Foskey? Right, because that that's the flip side of it is, and uh, all those transfers that you just went through, not a lot of offensive linemen in there, and their offensive line was a mess, and their defense was a mess, but they can outscore you. BC, 
does not have the talent overall that USC does. They're going to be a better coach team and they're going to be a harder, like a more physical team, which in November is the thing that concerns me more than the fast team per se is that physical team that can wear you down. So I, I could see BC being a harder game. Uh, if I were to predict, I would predict that USC is not going to be that team this year. Right. Because when Notre Dame had its turnaround from 16 to 17, Ryan, they did so on the back of the best offensive line in college football. Yep. USC won't have that. And although their record may be good by then, because the Pac-12 is not great, I don't think they're going to be a great team. So, yes. And and then you talk about, you know, on the road, Notre Dame tends to be locked in and focused in that those situations where BC, it's senior day, you've got all these distractions, you've got all the stuff going on. And then you've got the storyline of Phil Dracovic and George Tack is coming back and all this other kind of stuff. You know, this should be Phil's senior day at Notre Dame, all this other kind of stuff. I could see for some distractions there, to be completely honest with you, that that also factor into, you know, to why that game uh, concerns me a little bit. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.